cliffcentral.com. Wowzers, what a weekend of sport that was. Darkest final days. Is this the darkest it's ever going to be for the box? Well, if these guys got us this far, I'm pretty sure they can take us even further. It was a good weekend elsewhere. I mean, tennis was incredible. Andy Murray is the greatest, the greatest, the greatest. Here's a little trivia question for you. Andy Murray becomes the second ginger world number one in tennis. Who was the first person since 1973, since the inception of ATP World Rankings? Who was the second ginger in the t- in, as in world number one? We'll reveal the answer at the end of the show. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, hey, did you? There was also great football involved. There was uh, amazing golf. The European Tour came to an end. So much to get through today. It's so much to talk about. And, um, well, obviously people are quite upset about the whole Spring Rock thing. But also some people are saying, maybe it's good. Maybe this is the, the rock bottom that we needed. And now things can go up. Well, unfortunately, things don't work like that in the real world because uh, in this country, shit gets retained. It's as simple as that. Accountability is, well, it's just a big word, really. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm going to get too doom and gloom. This is only the intro. AK is back with the whole weekend wrap-up and a whole bunch of other sports that he wants to get into. Got Dennis Friedman from Australia, basically. Well, we're going to just ask him a couple of hard-hitting questions, like what are his journalists up to? What's this whole thing about mints and can our cricketers have mints or not? But more importantly, once we get past all the tabloid fluff, we're going to talk actual cricket because they've made six changes to their squad. We had Dennis on here a few weeks back and basically he was saying that the Aussies haven't got a chance. So bravo to Dennis for basically saying his guy's a cuck. And uh, well, it's, it's followed through like that. Dennis is an oracle and he's a great guy to talk cricket with all time, every time. India just absolutely hammered uh, England, if you're listening live, that's just finished. But that was pretty, um, well, let's just say, predictable. Because when the toss bat first, wait for the pitch to crumble, watch the opposition crumble. That's about it, really. But let's not mess around anymore with the intro. Let's get into AK. He is here, and he is, uh, as always, prepped and ready for another edition of his sports. Hang on a second, AK. i get these get these dials up. going to set the tone, a little bit of Moss Def. There we go. What's happening? Yeah, man, things aren't looking so great for um, Euler appointed coach Gordon Eakerson as the Lions of the North saw their winless run in the league extend to seven games as the Timbisa based side slumped to a 1 0 defeat to Golden Arrows. Now, Danny Peary um, actually scored the only goal of the game as Arrows climbed up to second on the PSL standings. Now, Highlands Park dropping down to 14th place on the PSL, still with related um, managing news. Now, Real Madrid boss Zinedine Zidane insisted he has no doubt Cristiano Ronaldo will be the deserving winner. Of the of a fourth Ballon d'Or come January next year, now Ronaldo returned to haunt Atleti five months um, five months after scoring the winning penalty at Real's second Champions League victory over their city rivals three seasons ago. Now in the final La Liga derby at Atletico's Vicente Calderon, Ronaldo deflected a free kick that opened the scoring before he doubled the lead from a penalty spot. Now he completed his 39th Real Madrid hat trick with a simple finish from Gareth Bale's Gareth Bale's cross. Now victory extends Los Blanco's lead at the top of the La Liga to four points from Barca who missed the Lionel Messi who was ill. 
they actually drew their game no nil at home to a nine man Malaga and this all happened on Saturday. Now Madrid are unbeaten in twenty nine games in all competitions stretching back to April. So good news for Zinadine's Dan's men. Some golf news now. Matthew Fitzpatrick birded the last hole to win the eight million USDB World Tour Championship yesterday as Stenson won the race to Dubai for the second time. Now England's Fitzpatrick um completed um, was actually completing a remarkable season in which he represented Europe. Remember, in the Ryder Cup, within two years of turning pro, now he backed it up with winning the season's ending championship. Now, the 22-year-old closed with a 67 for a 17 under par total at the Earth Course um, Golf Estate. Cricket news: Now, senior Black Caps batsman Ross Taylor has vision problems and will definitely see an eye specialist before the second test against Pakistan. There's been concern about Taylor's lack of runs in recent tests, and he didn't bat in his usual number four spot in the second innings of the first test in Christchurch. Now, New Zealand won that game by eight wickets. 38, uh, 32 year old rather averages about 45, but he's only averaged just over 10 in his last innings, scoring 11 in his only comeback against Mickey Arthur's men. Speaking of Mickey Arthur, Mizba Ulhak has pulled out of the New Zealand tour to return home because of his father, who is actually critically ill. Now the obvious choice of Azar Ali will take over as captain and no immediate decision has been made about flying out a replacement for the second test, which starts in Hamilton this Friday. So I'm not too sure if he's still going to stick around seeing that he's 42 and he's got well over 100 test games and he's got two degrees, so... We don't know about that. I'm still, I'm still fascinated by the whole Ross Taylor and I problem. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you've got to have an excuse for the way he's been playing <laughs> in the last six months. <laughs> no, he's been, he's been shocking, man. So lastly, now some football. Jurgen Klopp praised Liverpool's performance in the goalless draw against the Saints, even though the Reds missed about 15 chances and a chance to cement their pole position on the top of the Barclays. Now City drew level with Liverpool by winning 2-1 at Crystal Palace and only in second place on goal difference. Well, um, Chelsea topped the league. Now, as um, Diego Costa scored just before halftime to see Chelsea beat Watford by a goal to nil. So that was your quick dish out on the bounce show. All right, okay, thanks so much. Yeah, there was just an, a multitude of sports to get through, and we'll yeah. try to touch on throughout the hour. We got Dennis in about sort of five, ten minutes, but what I want to do is obviously just touch on the whole Springbok thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people are hugely irate on social media, as you would expect. And um, look, if you want to get involved in the chat, you want to throw some things up, just tweet me at Follow the Bounce. You're welcome to get involved in the show. I don't know how constructive it is, though, because let's be honest, what's going to happen? Elsikos isn't going to come back. They're going to have a review meeting. They're going to say, well, you know, there's no point. This isn't a time for rear guard, um, sorry, knee jerk reactions. <laughs> Alistair needs to be given time. Time, blah 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 blah. This is what it comes down to for me: is that it's this exception, ex- accepting mediocrity. I think it's been happening in SA sport now for a little bit too long. And um, like, I think people who write things to Afri Fordham and they start getting on about transformation—that—that's that, not the ticket here. Yeah. Trust me on this; it's not. I mean, people are going on about the fact that, yeah, but see, transformation's fucking up sport. And then you go, uh, yeah, Protea is pretty handy right now. They've got the best transformation record. Let's not use scapegoats here, and transformations are scapegoat. Obviously, you don't want to see a guy like Zondelia Stick just being thrown into the box fold. Who, I mean, this is a guy who was assistant coach of the EP Kings, and yeah. he was pretty cuck there. Suddenly, he's a box assistant coach. So, yes, there's isolated incidents right now where that's just poor management. It really is. But let's not throw this whole transformation thing under the bus. It's just short-sighted, and you're just looking to be eaten alive on Twitter. What I'm going to say right now is that 
Alistair Gutsy isn't inspiring anything right now, and he's talking about players not being able to execute anything. Now, this is what I find so infuriating. So if this isn't happening right, you change the team. I mean, I'm not saying become like France and basically just keep changing guys because you just get bored of selecting the same people. And we've seen their rugby going downhill. But if these guys can't do it consecutively, and you and Alistair Gutsy said after the match that the, the team likes the plan Everyone's doing really well in training, blah, 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 blah. But they can't do the most basic of basic of things. Just to give you an example, um, rugby's about scoring tries, right? About scoring points and ultimately scoring more points than the opposition. So here is 2016, the list of um, – oh, crap. I just lost it. Man. <laughs> All I want to do is credit the, the person who <laughs> – I, I was just going to credit the person who tweeted this, and then as I did that, um, yeah, it fell away. Uh, maybe I'll get back to that. Well, I'm sure it'll pop up again. So basically, out of 10 international rugby teams right now, the Springboks are eight. So here we go. DJ Kev, uh, DJ Kev King on Twitter. Um, thanks for the list. Basically, this is, I'll just run you through quickly. Uh, New Zealand topped 77 tries. They, they averaged 5.9 tries a match. England, 40 tries. Okay, so a bit of a gulf there between New Zealand and the rest of us, but we come to expect that. Ireland scored 33, uh, average of 3 a test. Australia averaging 2.6 a test. I'll just give you the averages. Wales averaging 2.4. France 2.2. Scotland 1.9. South Africa 1.7. South Africa averaging 1.7 tries. So let's just, I know there's a thousand other things to look into in SA Rugby, but that's got to, uh, you've got to say this wrong people are involved here. That's not execution. There's a fundamental problem in running with the ball, scoring tries, and then the defense goes. And then it's like, yeah, we've had three, three defensive coaches this year. Well, whose fault is that? Alice Goodseer has to be uh, accountable for this. And even though you don't want to see coaches coming in and out, if the guy's cock, he's cock. That's as simple as that. It's got nothing to do with emotions. There's nothing personal here. This simply isn't working. They have played 11 tests this year. They've lost seven tests this year. So that's four. Let's talk about those four, right? Um, beat Ireland at, in the high felt after a 10 minute colossal comeback second half. Okay. Wow. That's hardly a big win. Beat Argentina, uh, spread, I think at home. Also, massive comeback towards the end. Hardly a great win. Uh, beat Ireland in Port the third test. Port Elizabeth, yeah. thank you. Okay. Again, Ireland could have won it right at the death there. Uh, who else we beat? Oh, we beat probably the most lackluster Australian team we've ever seen at the Highfield of Pretoria. So there's your four wins for the year, okay? Granted, uh, other teams like England and the Northern Hemisphere teams get to play softer opposition if you look at world ranking-wise. So it's a tough school, no doubt about it. But it is the worst Springbok uh, results or series of results we've seen since 2006. But in 2007, we won the World Cup. So even if Jake White had a completely dog shit year, it was still so much better. This is the worst Springbok team we've ever seen. Now, we need to actually let that sink in for a bit. The worst Springbok team we have ever seen. Now, obviously, rugby prior to 1991 didn't really matter because, let's be honest, we were all very young. So that's the first thing. You just, you just keep it at that without getting political. So right before it didn't, didn't exist, nothing since then has been as bad as right now. That absolute pile of shite that was on the pitch. And I'm not talking – okay, the pitch was also pretty bad this weekend. There were so many things that were bad. The referee wasn't good. But every aspect of that game was just absolutely embarrassing. And you've got to think that, that Adrian Strauss, who's giving his level best, I'm sure, he's just not the guy. And the fact that they keep assisting with him because he's going to retire – that's emotion. That's unprofessional. It's amateurish to say this guy's going to play the rest of the season. If he's being crap as a leader, he has to stop being a leader. You don't go, oh, well, you know, he's a Gemini and then it's his birthday and then, you know, his wife really wants him to play. What other crap excuses have you got <laughs> yeah. here? He's blonde. Uh, he's very polite. He's nice. He's a Christian. Like, what? A, stop it right now. 
the whole match, the Italians were very, very much flirting with the offside line, okay? Not once did Adrian Strauss stop the game and go, ref, I'm sorry, but it's just ridiculous. Could you please watch the offside line? At least show the presence that you're aware of the game situation rather than just cucking yourself because every single one of those box players looked like they were just on the verge of, of just soiling themselves. And I, a better captain like John Smith, a better captain along the lines of, who knows, pick anyone in the, in the past would have had more of an understanding about what's going on in the game. The big problem, and Eddie Jones made this very clear last week, is that when he picks a team, he's not too worried about this and that and players' special, uh, spe- um, specialties and all that kind of stuff. He knows that from 1 to 15, he has players that can adapt to any game plan. What do I got, our guys do on the weekend? The box were just trying not to lose. That's not adapting <laughs> to a game plan. That is damage control. Adrian Strauss had no idea how to adapt to those conditions. They were heavy underfoot. The scrums weren't going well. The Italians were just all over them because that's what these underdogs do. They scrap like, like dogs, and that's what they do. And that is to be expected. I don't even play professional rugby. I sit on the couch with a beer, and I watch this, and I know this. And at no stage did Adrian Strauss go, okay, guys, look, hang on a second, hang on a second. This game is not going to be pretty from here on in. We need to boss these guys that break down. We need to get bloody physical. And then we need to look for gaps and just play territorial. Didn't happen because nobody can adapt. Now, if no one can adapt, forget the amateur structures, forget political interference, forget all the other crap. If we don't have rugby players who can think on the field right now, international rugby is not for them. Nas Boda says much over the weekend in an interview he did with Mark Lewis from uh, EWN. Basically, no one's adapting because no one can think. And if they can't deal with the pressure, let's just isolate this little problem right here. And as I said, I know this bigger problem is in SA rugby, but that it's just so plain and horribly easy to see. Uh, it really is. But enough about me ranting. You know, it's always good just to get a little bit of Nick Mallet, just a little perspective. But what I want you to take out of this is how absolutely, ultimately deflated Nick Mallet sounds when asked about this. Um, <laughs> I mean, this cracks me up itself. This is Nick Mallet, his thoughts after the game on Supersport. Uh, yeah, again, you know, I'm, I'm uh, just very... I mean, how's that for an intro? This guy's normally breathing <laughs> fire. What to say. He's normally breathing <laughs> fire, and here he's going... Uh, uh, uh. Similarly to after um, the disappointment of losing to Japan, it's a similar, it's unfortunately a, a similar um, state that I never expected South African rugby to be in. I never, mm, ever thought that this proud... And he is a realist of note. Nick knows. Nick's seen the cracks. He's talked about this a long time. He he even couldn't fathom the idea. And he's coached Italy, of course. So he knows Italian rugby very, very, very well. He could not fathom what happened over the weekend. ...nation um, of fantastic rugby players and uh, players that uh, won a World Cup in 2007, beat the All Blacks in 2009 three out of three times, um, have had probably... Seven, eight, nine players who would have been in a world 15, around 207 yep. to 209. And, um, you know, we've got ourselves into a position where we can't, you know, we haven't beaten Japan and we're losing to Italy and uh, don't look anywhere near capable of beating Australia. Well, Australia at home we beat, but uh, New Zealand and, and England on, on, uh, on our performances recently. 13 tries we conceded, nine against New Zealand, four against England. Today, you know, two, but very nearly another one, I think, at the end. So I was sitting there thinking uh, it's so easy to blame the coach and it's so easy to blame, um, um, you know, because that's always the person you turn to. But uh, there are the, the structures have, in South African rugby have, have uh, you know, not worked in favour of keeping our players in okay, this so country. 
Also, you know when he starts repeating himself, like he's he's out, he's done. He, like all that South Africa's right now, Nick Mallet is done. He's finished with actually having to talk about this. He's sitting there right now because he's contracted to do so, and he's going, <laughs> "Oh crap! I got to talk another ten minutes about Springboks." He is so done, and Nick Mallet loves talking. If there was an Olympic goal for talking, this guy would be the Usain Bolt. So just take. <laughs> so if, if you feel like you've run out of things to say about the box, don't worry. Nick Mallet has too. Oh, so um, <laughs> that now leaves, okay, after the Italian loss, that now leaves Canada, Fiji, Georgia, Namibia, Romania, Samoa, Spain, Tonga, United States, and Uruguay. Those are the only teams left that the box have not lost to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I, I agree with Nick Managers. There needs to be a change. There's, there's need to be change. I think uh, it's, 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 it's sad to see, like, Italy... I mean, the Springboks going down to Italy. As, as I said, I wouldn't be watching any box games. And I didn't, I heard about this, um, Saturday evening that the boys went down by two points. I, I, I think I should start, um, I'm joining this all betting against the Springboks and everything. But yeah, I think there's, there's something, on a serious note, something needs to be done. Not only just blaming the coach, but, um, from the grassroots, are, 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 are the, are the guys from Varsity Cup. Um, Curry Cup, Super Rugby being given the, 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 the equal opportunities that they deserve because a lot of players are in the Springbok setup, not because of merit, but because of what they've done or achievements that they have achieved in the past, which is not working out for us. So I think we really need to dig deep and take a second look at how we prepare for, well, and going forward for the next World Cup. Well, okay, I just think we should just cut through the cuck and basically say that if our guys can't deal with pressure, and that's exactly what Saturday was. There was a yeah. dealing of pressure situation. Let's not go too deep in, in, in what we analyze and think about this team right now. They've got whales over the weekend. All these guys play Super Rugby. They're all professionals. They all make lots and lots of money. If they can't, Alex says that he hasn't lost the change room. So what does he actually have? This is what I'm saying. It's like, what does he actually have? Supersport had a really good article. I forget who it's written by, but he basically said, what is Alistair Garcia apologizing for? What are the Springboks apologizing for as far as that press release? Are they apologizing for the fact that Garcia should not be here right now because he's just out of his depth? Is he apologizing for the fact that team selections have gone terribly and all the faith he's shown in senior players has not rewarded him? Or is he apologizing for the fact that these guys clearly just aren't understanding what modern-day rugby is? So they need to kind of specify what's going on here. Or oh, they're apologizing for the fact that they just don't care enough. I mean, who really knows? Because no one can be this bad. You can't just, you simply can't with the structures of SA schoolboy rugby through to Craven Week, through to all the other structures here, as bad as they are flawed in places. We must have at least 45 guys any given Sunday that can walk onto that field. Even as a turn up team, you give them a jersey and go, right guys, we're going to play Italy. You'd be like, can you win? Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll win. That's what's going to happen. And those players, it was just limp. Limp, and it was terrible. And I'm, all I'm saying on that, because we have to go to cricket, and we have to chat to Dennis. Ah, oh, sheepers. Okay, well, I feel slightly better from getting around that. Dennis, you're not much of a rugby fan, are you? Uh, not really. It's not, re- it's not really a native sport down here in the southeast of Australia, but it's good to see um, the this, this Springboks getting beaten in something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the Springboks get beaten in everything. We've got to say, Springboks and Proteas are very different things. It is. Pretty I was sad. listening to that interview. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot the fact that you guys lost to Japan in the World Cup. That's one of my greatest sporting uh, <laughs> highlights for a long time. I, th- I forgot all about that. Well, it's a big moment because beaten by an, a Japan team coached by an Aussie who used to coach for the Springboks <laughs> in 2000. It, it's yeah. See, this is why you got to watch more rugby, Dennis. Uh, anyway, while I summer down, yeah, yeah, I should. Well, I simmer down just a bit because, I mean, I'm pretty tired of this. I mean, I love cricket and I love golf, but rugby is also a big part of who I am. So while I simmer down, I want to play Hashim Amla, uh, just basically addressing yeah. this whole ball tampering thing, and then we'll get back to you after that.
Here we go. Here's, okay. here's Hashem with the entire team behind him being addressed by your media. Good afternoon, everybody. As you can see, we have the full team behind us here. Um, the reason everybody is here is to, sh- is to stand together, really, and show solidarity to what has been something that was really what we thought was actually a joke. It's not April, but uh, the allegations against FAF was, was really a faucet, really ridiculous thing. And as a team, we're standing strong. We've done nothing. I mean, it's it's fast. It's basically a joke. So, our boys are here. We're standing strong. And uh, yeah, so, so, so being investigated. He's being investigated, though, by the ICC. Is it? It's absolutely so. being investigated. Well, whether it is or not, we've done nothing wrong. So and what? I know Faf has done absolutely nothing wrong. And for us, it's really. I mean, I chew bubblegum while I'm building. So yeah. if I'm, mm. do you want me to brush my teeth mm. after lunch every time I come out to? to yeah, the but this doesn't look like bubblegum. It looks like a minty or. A, or and with yeah. respect to Faf, I'm open yeah. to whatever suggestion it was, but it looks like some type of lolly that he's sort of and he's smiling as he does it so the, the footage is a bit weird <laughs> maybe it was a tasty sweet i mean i have a sweet swallow as i said do you want me to brush my teeth after lunch after tea yeah. and also we can't guys we've got to be pretty logical about this common sense surely has got to prevail that if i've got something in my mouth guys are handing out these froggies uh, red froggies at lunchtime or during the game to give the kids out in the crowd to keep them hydrated, to keep them energized and be standing in the field for two hours. And you don't want us to have some bulltong in my pocket, some nuts or something. Guys, it's, it has no, there was no malicious intent whatsoever. But are you aware, Hashem, that England have admitted to using the tactic in 2005? I think Mike Atherton was involved. Is that a tactic? I don't know. I'm not aware of it. Um, I mean, I can't keep repeating. They believe it enhanced the swing of the ball. They believe it. Yeah, they believe it. It did enhance the swing on the ball. Well, sorry, is it proven or what? Because that's something that's really new to us. It's something that we guys have just had. When did Hashem Amla become such a media badass? I've had sweets in my (laughs) mouth, bubblegum in my mouth, bull tongue, nuts. Uh, I'm not sure what the big deal is for me. It's actually. To a lot of people, it's sounding like more like sour sweets and other sour sweets for people in their heads. Maybe that we've played really good cricket, uh, and the timing of it is it's a bit weird too. Um, so, yeah, that's basically. So, it. who are you directing this at? Because the ICC is investigating. Mm-hmm. So, who are you directing this this at today? I'm just trying to clear what we think is an absolutely wrongful allegation made on our captain. Does, does the team feel it's been unfairly maligned in the past, in the recent past? for similar incidents to this, and that part of the reason why you guys have, I guess, uh, presented this very united front in fairly mm. unusual circumstances this afternoon? We are standing in solidarity to our captain, who has done absolutely nothing wrong. Okay, I think you get the, uh, get the, get the picture there. It's not going But I mean, I didn't, I didn't realise that Hashem Amla was the protea uh, pioneer of badass comments and media dismissals, huh? <laughs> it's a new role for him. Where? <laughs> was that possibly the worst press conference ever? That's probably why he's no longer skipper of the test side. He waffled more than that uh, rugby guy you just had on. <laughs> it was, and then he, he and then he puts on. You know, I haven't heard. Yeah, you know, well, he, he kept saying, "We have done nothing wrong. I have done nothing wrong." Who is he? The Iraqi information minister? It's just going. <laughs> but I'm just amazed how, how dismissive he was. Uh, like. I have all the people in the team that's okay, Hash, you tell these guys to piss off basically. You're you're the guy to go with this. Because after that all the all the stuff that's been said in the past, no one's gonna go against you. But then 
Yeah, the best bit was how he, how, you know, he, bra- he brought all the little kids in the world into it by saying, well, you know, the little kids eat little red frogs on the ground. So <laughs> <laughs> how many straws is this bloke clutching at? Oh, it's, it's just hilarious, Ben. And the fact that there's like 11 grown men or 10 because Faf wasn't there standing out in the middle of a field and then this leader gets up and goes, uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, well, you know, it's, it's all unfair. Don't pick on us. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, I, mean, look, uh, I, I, I find that funny. I also find this funny. If you're going to address this, we've got to play it. Adelaide Airport was on, the scene of some heavy-handed security as a Proteus <laughs> staff member went to extraordinary lengths to protect Captain Faf Duplessis. Duplessis has been the subject of an investigation by the ICC after allegedly using a mint to change the condition of the ball. But as a Channel 9 journalist attempted to question the Proteus skipper, the security guard intervened. So basically, Australia have... ...blocking the path of the journalist as the team exited the airport. So what you guys have done now, you, you found like some six foot four ranger who just come out of nowhere with a microphone to try and get in first base. It's just so, no, 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 it's so no, no, comical. No, press, no, 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 no. The press release from the South African uh, media manager said he came at him with an unknown object. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But in my mind, I don't know, microphones to me are well known. But it was, it was good to see the uh, security guard actually, uh, a South African guy actually lay a tackle for a change. It's been a while, Ben. Well, okay, that's true. Fair joke. But did you not find he's a bit small? <laughs> I would have thought the approach would have had someone bigger. I mean, <laughs> this guy didn't look too threatening. And he wasn't really committed to the same charge either. It was more a, co- a cursory body uh, check. Okay, but like well, all this jokes aside, because... The- Okay, I, I really do feel this is a terrible sideshow. Or is it? I mean, are, are you guys, is the media over there, general feeling over there that the Fuff has done something actually wrong here? Or is it very much like a, well, we got a bit of dirt, let's scratch it? Well, yeah, but it's not that the Aussies have, have laid the charge. It's the ICC that have laid the charge. Yes, Dennis, and it's, but we, and the all Australian... know, we all know the IC3 no, ben, is ben. you, England, India. Ben. Ben, the, the, the Australian, so my insider uh, information tells me that um, the Australian management wanted nothing to do with it and wished it didn't actually happen. So the ICC have run with it. Uh, and when you look at the footage, the reality is he probably has broken the rules. You know, it's not, it's not for me or you to make the rules. They're there. And if you look at what he's done, he's probably broken them. And it's not, it's not as though this guy doesn't have form. You know, remember that uh, Fuff once got uh, fined and rubbed out for deciding to rub cricket balls on his zipper, which was a first. <laughs> you know, so... The guy's a proven cheat, and he's having another go. <laughs> proven cheats. All right. Well, look. I mean, that's what I want to get. I want to get the full word. So, if, if Australian does, he's like, he's like, he's like your version of Muhammad Amir. <laughs> okay, now that's pushing it. <laughs> so, if the Australian cricket board wants nothing to do with this, then obviously this is just tabloid journalism yeah. at its best. So, basically, what you're saying is, okay, it might not be in the greatest act ever from Faf with not the best history, but let's just move on to the cricket. Is that what you're saying? There's only more to really see or do here. Uh, look, the reality is, is that you got the South African captain probably caught by the letter of the law cheating. Australia's down 2-0. Um, we're imploding. And, uh, what else? Yeah, we're probably, Australians are probably sick of reading, um, you know, woe is me stories about their team and the papers. So this is something else. And, you know, like you always say, mate, bring back the hard bastard. And it's good to see, you know, the media get into the opposition for a change because we've got a reason to. It's a bit, you know, it's a soft reason to do it, but we, we need something. We need a straw to clutch onto. Is this not just Ashes prep? This is basically what it is, right? Yeah, it's, it's warm up. Exactly right. <laughs> but we've got, we've, look, we've, we've, we've got rid of our chairman of selectors now. and uh, Yeah, a lot has happened since we last we, talked. 
Yeah, it has. It's been it's been really interesting. I uh, on uh, on my radio show, Ben, which uh, you guys also uh, have as a podcast on Cliff Central. Can I plug it like that? Yeah, very, very much. So <laughs> I had a rant now. last week, and very good. I had a rant last week, and I said Rod Marsh has to go, and uh, the next day he left. So we lost our chairman of selectors, and we have replaced him with Trevor Hones, who uh, was in charge of the side when we last won sixteen in a row. So the guy does know how to pick a, a team. Uh, and then we also brought in Greg Chappell's interim selector. So now we've got Greg Chappell, Trevor Hones, and Mark Waugh. So the youngest of them is 51 years of age, which is, you know, screams of bringing Australia into the modern era. And uh, they've <laughs> but they've drawn a line in the sand, and um, they're trying to reset. And they've picked a new uh, squad for the Adelaide uh, Pink Ball Test, which I'll be at, and looking forward to that. And um, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, there's some unlucky guys. Callum Ferguson was brought in for... One test and dropped. You know, ten days ago he's in the form of his life. He has one test and now he's not. Um, they've dropped uh, Joe Many, uh, who I don't know if you followed here in, over there in South Africa, but uh, he was brought in to the test squad for the first test ahead of a guy called Jackson Bird, yeah. um, based on the fact that he bats better at number eleven than Bird. So it's the first time I've seen a strike bowler picked on their batting. But you know, that's, <laughs> this is where Australian test selection got to under Rod Marsh. But uh, we've got some new kids coming in. We've got a new guy called Renshaw. He's only 20 years of age. He'll open the batting. Um, one of my mates is a medico in the Australian um, cricket uh, fraternity and tells me he's a bit of a strange cat, this one. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how he goes. Uh, we've brought in Nick Maddinson, who's a bit of a thrasher from New South Wales, to bat at number six. And I, I think he's a bit more like Ben Duckett of England. You know, I don't think he's going to last in right. test cricket. He tends to hit the ball a bit too hard and a bit too early. But, you know, we'll try this out. Um, we've brought in Chad Sayers, um, who's the bowling partner of Joe Minnie from South Australia. Now, he can swing the ball. I know I've talked up Joe Minnie on this show before, and then he came out and, what, made none for 80 in that ODI, but <laughs> Chad Campbell. <laughs> Chad Campbell, but we'll see how that goes. And Jackson Bird's back in the squad. And Nathan Lyons held his spot probably a bit luckily. He hasn't been bowling that well. But there's a, there's a, oh, and the other one is Matthew Wade coming as a keeper for um, Neville. And typical Australian selectors, um, he's been picked not on because he can bat or bowl, um, catch better, but because he's a bit more vocal. So, you know, we keep coming up with uh, uh, new new means and ways to pick our players that have nothing to do with whether they can actually play the game, which well, I like. Well, ultimately, consistency wins here. I think that's what it's, we're really looking at. But look, you just just I say <laughs> just I say one of those things there. Uh, one, sorry, one of those selections there. Uh, Neville, do you really think that he he needed to go as far as? If, you know, there were some wholesale changes here. I mean, obviously Ferguson's unlucky. Him and his brother must be so upset right now. But Neville wasn't terrible. He looked yeah. all right in Perth. <laughs> he was given a going over against Rabada, which I think any other batsman would have also succumbed to. That, like, that, to me, Neville, that to me seemed like the yeah. harshest call. Yeah, but if you think about it, Neville has probably been dragged down by Mitch Marsh. So Mitch Marsh was batting six and Neville seven. And when your number six can't deliver, there's a lot of pressure on your number seven. And he hasn't been going so well with the bat, he's averaging around 20 or something in test cricket. Compare that with Matthew Wade, who's made two or three test hundreds. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the difference between the two is Matthew Wade will win your match now and then. Neville won't win you or lose your match. He's just kind of neutral and, you know, elevator music. Um, a bit boring. So, you know, if Australia had been playing a, a proper number six, I think Neville would still be there because the pressure would have been off him to keep making runs. But uh, because of Mitch Marsh, he's dragged the whole of the, <laughs> he's dragged a few more down with him. Uh, so he's unlucky. Yeah, I do agree with that. But that's, again, um, how the cookie crumbles sometimes, right? Yeah, it's so true. So we go on to Adelaide. Um, anything else we can really expect here, or do you still see the Proteus just dominating with the ball and that's kind of going to be it? 
Yeah, I think, look, next time we speak, I need you to get that sound bite of when we spoke before this series when I said South Africa will win 3 0, because <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I, don't, I know you guys are bowling so brilliantly. You know, Rabada's bowling in his first change. He's not even taken the new ball in the last test. It was Abbott and, and Philander. And it's just, it's just brilliant to watch. And I think the pink ball's going to play into their hands. You know, it's, it moves a bit more and they, they're probably better bowling conditions. Um, under the lights, so I think Abbott and Flander are just going to be unplayable. And then if you've got Rabada steaming in, um, throwing down bullets at 140 kilometres an hour, um, it'll be great. And if the grass has got a little bit of um, the wicket's got a little bit of grass on it, like it did last year for the day night test, yeah. um, it'll play into Rabada's hands as well. It'll be a bit more bounce. Um, having said that, um, you know it is a bit of a batsman's paradise, Adelaide. And uh, if these new kids sort of show. Show a bit and dig in. We might be able to put some runs on the board, but Australia just can't make runs at the moment. Whereas, you know, South Africa can. If Hashem doesn't step up, Faf will. If Faf doesn't, then Bavuma steps up. If he doesn't, well, you know, Dean Algar, the pair, will step up. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's always someone around that's going to, you know, at least put a, a 50, 80, 100 on the board. And, uh, you know, if Warner or Steve Smith don't make it for Australia, it doesn't exist. Yeah. We're just too weak in the batting lineup, and that's that's why I tipped South Africa three 0 before the series started, and uh, I'm getting close to cashing in my ticket, Ben. Very nice, Dennis. And you mentioned the batsman; not even mentioned the best batsman, which is Quinton de Kock. Now, when it comes to the pink ball, oh, yeah. you obviously have a better understanding of what most people have because you've seen a test uh, in your own country. Is it going to change much with like as far as what you would do in the toss, just assess it and look at the pitch, or is it very much a, a ball first slash back first? Is there any kind of difference with the pink ball? Uh, uh, look, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell. There's been like two pink ball tests or something in Australia or yeah, three in the world or something. I, I think we're still learning what it all means. Um, if you think back to last year's pink ball test with, when Australia played New Zealand, the ball moved around a bit, but you know, Bolt and Stark weren't, weren't swinging it any more than what they probably normally do. I think it probably comes down to how your batsmen feel and when your batsmen would prefer to bat. Um, I'm not sure that chasing the pink ball under lights is... Um, necessarily, you know, face, imagine facing Rabada under lights with the pink balls. Probably not something necessarily I'd like to do. Um, probably more daylight hours. So that might have something to do with it. But apart from that, um, I, I still think it, we're learning what it all means. Um, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens with the toss. Yeah. Oh, well. So that's going to be Adelaide from uh, Wednesday, I think it is. Uh, but now, other more pressing news that's kind of happening right now is that England have just, well, yep. they've, they've collapsed again. Uh, you just say it's <laughs> it's England, is, England old, or is it just India's pitches finally coming into the series after they kind of bluffed everyone to thinking it's going to be free and fair by having a five-day test in the first game? Uh, yeah, look, if you look at the first pitch that was put up for the first test where India had to hold on for the draw, um, it was really a bit of a road. It was a South Africa or, or, or a wacker type pitch, you know. It didn't give much to India's spin bowlers. But uh, this latest pitch has, has let um, Ashwin and Jardasia come back into the game. And the reality is not many teams outside of the subcontinental teams can play good subcontinental cricket when you've got those type of pitches. Although I was quite impressed. I mean, Cook's second innings, he lasted for a long time until he went out in the last over before um, Stumps on day four. And they found one with, um, uh, what's his name, Hamid. Hamid, yeah, let's go. Uh, again, another 19-year-old. Yeah, yeah, another 19-year-old kid. And, oh, geez, I wish more teams would play these kids. As soon as you see that they're good, just give them a run and give them five years and, and watch them blossom because uh, that's, the, that's the way we're going to get people back watching Test cricket. But, you know, it's, it's not easy to win in India, mate. And uh, England are probably now going to lose the Series 3-0 or something. Uh, England will probably lose the Series 3-0 or something. But 
who would have picked England to win it beforehand? Not many. No. Well, they've had a decent run there in recent years. I mean, Root's done well there with the bat, so is Cook. But it's just, mm. I think now with India having that, that spin axis of Jadeja and Ashwin and these pitches do anything whatsoever, then they're going to be so impossible to play. Uh, Pakistan, New Zealand, anything to relook into that series? Or is it just going to be, you know, the seamers are going to go through for New Zealand? Yeah, look, it's interesting. That one, too, that one didn't last too long. And uh, again, Pakistan's still number two in the world, right? And uh, I, I don't know if you saw that pitch. Uh, in New Zealand, but it was uh, it was like uh, one of your uh, greens at your golf courses, Ben. Yeah. It was so green. Um, and the ball, you know, it was good to see um, pitches with the, with the balls on top of the bat. And it was seeming and it was swinging. And, uh, you know, someone like Eunice Khan, who is an absolute legend of the game, had his lowest aggregate run score ever in a test match. He made one run um, in both innings. And when... Yeah, when guys like him and Mizbar are struggling, and these are guys that have been around and seen everything, um, you know, it's hard to play. And, and, you know, New Zealand's got a decent bowling attack. Um, you know, Bolton Southey are, are world class. We forget about Neil Wagner, who um, became the second fastest Kiwi, Kiwi to 100 test wickets. Well, we, we, um, we, we don't forget about he, him because he's from here. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, he did it in 26 matches, and the only guy to beat him is Richard Hadley. He did it in 25. So if you're competing with Richard Hadley and how quick you're taking wickets, you're probably going all right. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not sure what to make of it. I'll be interested to see how the second test goes because Pakistan are then coming to Australia for a three-test series, and um, the pitches won't be as green as they are in New Zealand. But it's just so good to see the uh, the differences in, in wickets when maybe 12 months ago, Ben, when you and I were speaking, we were – down in the dumps about how boring Test cricket was so getting true. because all the pitches were the same, and that, and now we're seeing these differences again. I just reckon it's great for the game, and uh, Pakistan will have to dig deep. They didn't lose by much, right? I mean, you know, yeah, they lost. They probably lost by you know essentially two or three decent hits from batsmen, but um, they could turn it around if they they've got some good swing bowlers, and uh, they've definitely got a great spinner in Yusir Shah. So if they can find some form. Uh, in the second test, New Zealand aren't the greatest batting lineup behind sort of Williamson, you know, um, Taylor's, Ross Taylor's well out of form. Uh, they're probably struggling apart from those two to, to, to really get some good guys. Latham, though, has popped up in the last 12 months. Yeah, and then they've got this. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting series to watch. Well, especially with this DeGronholm, who looks like an 80s porn star, but he's, <laughs> he's running through those guys and he can bat a bit. Yeah, another. Oh, he's Zimbabwean, so another one from your continent. It makes me think. What, what happens if we? You know, make, makes me think. What if we grabbed all the best Zimbabweans from the last ten years and made a, a test team? What it would look like? Because I reckon it would go okay. It's just well, a shame that country can't get itself in the gear. But yeah, yeah, go. On. Well, it's true. I mean, like like most failing businesses, some like Australia should maybe just liquidate Zimbabwe, take the rest of the talent that's left there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can have you can have Mcintini as a psychological coach on the side, and I reckon you can use the resources. Oh, you could. I mean, they had Brendan Taylor ran off after the World Cup to England, and he was averaging fifty. You've got the uh, Gronome, as you said. There's uh, Elliot, who played in the World Cup final only a couple of years ago. Um, there's Gary Balance in England. There's quite a few Zimbabweans running around playing, um, you know, in, in national teams. Uh, anyway, at least they're getting a run. They are indeed. Dennis, we've come to the end of our little chat. I need to talk about golf. Um, you know, I, need, I need to plug that advert I'm in and talk about you know, European tour and stuff uh, like that. I did, I, I did see that uh, TV ad you're in with your nice white pants, Ben. That's uh, something you need to look at, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking, you are a man, right? I'm, I'm taking no fashion advice from Australians. That's where I draw the line in life. Okay, <laughs> Dennis, but what, what else is going? What else is going on on your on your site and your on your show and all that kind of stuff? 
well, uh, I'll plug the Can't Bowl Can't Throw Cricket Show. We uh, are live on Australian digital radio every Tuesday night at 7pm my time, which I think is about 11am in South Africa. Just but if you're not on the, the website to hear that, uh, just go to uh, the Cliff Central podcast page and uh, you guys are kindly uh, running the show about a, a day behind when we record it. And we do talk a lot about South African cricket. So if you enjoy a laugh, uh, tune into that. Yeah, it's a really good show. It's it's up there with like my favorite podcasts. I listen to a variety of things, Dennis. I'm not just saying it because you've made time for me today. It's a really, really good show. Thank you very much, Ben. Otherwise, catch Dennis on Twitter. Um, you, I, I can never keep up with what you are, but you, your actual handle never changes. You're at Dennis Friedman underscore, right? Uh, Dennis Cricket Dennis underscore. Cricket underscore. Close enough. Okay, there we go. Dennis cricket underscore that's Dennis Dennis thanks a lot Will uh, yeah I'll try to find that clip we used to talk about the 3-0 drubbing and uh, let's just hope that the, all these sideshows will now come to an end and we can just play cricket and get back to the Proteas winning <laughs> sideshows side are great <laughs> see you mate alright man thanks for your time that was Dennis Friedman is always going to be our number one cricket guy there, there really is no one else if you think there's someone better than Dennis well feel free I know we've had some great guests on the show but Dennis is the absolute business we've got to finish off with some golf uh, lots going on right now so this week is basically the start of the Sunshine Tour for uh, the summer season here in South Africa a very incredibly interesting season but uh, before we get into that there was this really great interview going around last week there's this little kid on the European Tour and he interviews players and he asks really tough questions and he's really funny he's all of I don't know like 8 years old but the kid is, is phenomenally sharp so they did this interview with Roy McElroy in Dubai because last week was the DP World's World Tour Finals and uh, there was a whole bunch of awkward questions that he asked anything from Zika right through to skipping his wedding so here's Billy interviewing uh, Roy McIlroy this and all the other clips that I played today will be on the bounce I'll see it after the show but I'm just going to play a little bit of this with uh, Roy getting grilled by an 8 year old <laughs> I know Andy Murray's a good mate of yours but who's your favourite girl tennis <laughs> oh, uh, favorite girl tennis player. Um, <sighs> now, if you don't know why there's such a massive pause here, why it's awkward, of course, because uh, Rory was engaged to Caroline Wozniacki, who at the time was one of the big tennis players in women's tennis. Uh, he then sort of, uh, the wedding invites went out, and then Rory was like, actually, I'm not so keen, calls it all off. So that's why there's all this awkwardness. Honestly, Billy, I've stopped following women's tennis the last couple of years. Maybe you could call. Yeah, I think so. I heard the world will end if you never get a green jacket. Is that true? Well, if, if you read some of the stuff that was in papers and if you believed it, you would think that the world would end if I didn't get a green jacket. Um, the world won't end if I don't get a green jacket. I would love a green jacket, but hopefully one day it'll happen. I've still got plenty more years and a lot of, a lot of time left to try and get one. If you don't get one, I'll buy you one down the shop. Oh, you will? Yeah. Thanks very much. So, everyone wants to know the real reason why you nearly missed the Ryder Cup tea time. I wish it was a better story than it was. Um, the TV was showing the tea times and they were in Eastern time and we were in Central time. Okay, so look, it's quite a long interview. I was going to cut to the chase, just on the back of that uh, tennis thing. Right at the end, Billy gives uh, Roy McIlroy a gift. Let Trump wait a little bit. Let him sweat it out. For Christmas, I want to get the same golf clubs as you have next year. What shall I be asking for? Uh, I don't know. Santa will know. 
This is so clever because Rory doesn't know who, which golf clubs he's using now that Nike aren't manufacturing it. So they're getting a small kid to basically ask all these really, really tough questions. Santa, what, what I'm going to play with next year and you can ask him. Yeah, okay. You're getting married. I've got you a wedding present, but you should probably open it now. Thanks, Billy. I think. <laughs> Box of socks. What's all this about? Just in case you get cold feet again. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. That's so cheeky. Wow, that kid's going to have such a future in the media. If you go onto the European Tour uh, YouTube account, you'll see Billy interviewing all kinds of other people. The European Tour online is really great. If you love golf, there is so much on there. The Instagram account is amazing. Same on Twitter. They're just all over the place. They just know exactly what to do. Know the audience so well. Uh, finally, on the golf, though. So, like I said, the Sunshine Tour basically starts this week. Um, here's my little list here. So, it's a real big deal because we've got the SA Open with Roy McIlroy. He will be coming to SA to play in the SA Open on the 12th to 15th of Jan. Now, the SA Open, of course, is the second oldest pro tournament in the world. You'll hear that all the time when it gets announced in the intro after As this. you might recall, last year, Ernie said in his pre-tournament press conference that he was going to get me to come and play in the 2017 BMW South African Open. Well, he wasn't wrong. Great news for us, for South African golf fans and fans around the world. We have committed ourselves to growing the South African Open. You know, we promised that Rory would come. And we have a shining star at sunset. So that's it. That's probably the biggest name in golf for me because I think Roy McIlroy is the greatest golfer. I know he didn't win over the weekend, but the guy's just incredible. The Americans will blow hot and cold, but Rory is such an absolute superstar. And uh, it's a really, really big thing for the 2017 SA Open. So to go through just quickly before we finish the show today, just what you need to look forward to. If you love golf or you're curious about golf, you've got to go watch these guys. It's really great. It's one of the few sports you can actually get so close to professionals. When you go watch cricket or rugby or whatever, you're not really that close. You always watch them afar. Here, you can like stand next to the guys on the tee and you can just see exactly what goes into golf. And when you see these guys hit it, it is something absolutely incredible. So this week, Lion of Africa Cape Town Open will be taking place at Royal Cape. December the 1st to the 4th, Alfred Donald Championship at Leopard Creek. Most of the European tour players say this is the greatest golf course they play the entire year, from conditioning to obviously location. They're right there on the Crocodile River in the Krug National Park. It is amazing. January 12th to 15th will be the S Open at Glendower. I know Glendower has been hit by the floods recently up here in Joburg, but it will be go time once it gets the 12th of January. No worry about that. Africa PGA Championship will take place February 9 to 12. That's also up here in the Gauteng. Dimension Data Pram at Fancourt, February 16th, 19th. Then the Joburg Open up here in Gauteng, played at Royal Johannesburg. That'll be February 23rd to 26th. And then March 2nd to 5th will be the Schwaner Open. Trying to open that will be in Pretoria Country Club. So there's so much local golf to get to. And if you didn't see any of this, well, on Supersport now, between now and if ever, you're going to see an ad for the Sunshine Tour. It sounds like this. What have you been searching for? Emotive stuff, right? The perfect stroke. The perfect carry. A perfect moment. That drive where everything comes together. Yeah. Soars over the fairway. 
It's about that moment in time where all those hours pay off. Really top class. And you could not play it much better than that. That moment that will forever etch your name in history. It begins here. Alfred Dunhill Championship. So if you're watching that, that uh, ad, yes, the golfer is me. I'm on this ad. You're going to see me in orange and white the whole summer, so get used to it. And, yeah, if you want to see what from behind the scenes from the advert, go on to thebounceofca.za right now, and I'll tell you all about it. There's some pictures of me, and uh, it was quite a long, tedious day, and then I was tying a shoelace for about three hours. I was trying to put a glove on without making it look too handsy. Wow, this is quite something. I admire anybody who's ever been in an advert in a starring role. And then I just stare at a camera so you see my face a lot. It's pretty funny, actually. I mean, I'm looking at it now. It looks pretty cool because someone's edited it brilliantly. But when I went to go swing the club, I was hitting it like shit. Uh, the ball was going all over the place. But hey, it made a nice ad. And that's the Sunshine Tour for the summer. That is the Bounce Show for this week from me and AK over here. AK, thanks for coming through again with your morning wrap-up. And uh, next week, well, let's just say we're going to be wrapping up the Proteas. Obviously, they're beating uh, Australia again this week. No doubt about that. <laughs> uh, we're wrapping up the Box, who will be losing to Wales this week. Uh, also, kind of little doubt about that, despite the fact that Wales aren't very good right now. If there's anything else you want me to cover, I'm sorry I didn't get to the Twitter messages today. We're just with guests and all that kind of stuff. I do appreciate the messages, but uh, I'll get to it next week. If there's anything else that you want for the rest of the show, for the rest of the year... Uh, ben at the bounce at If any other topics you want me to bring up, any other guests you want me to try to get before the end of the year, I'll be doing a whole bunch of year in review things starting from basically next week onwards. Uh, I think there's three more shows for this year. And then at the end of that, I've got a big announcement to make. The bounce show will be changing completely as of, uh, second week of January. So stay with me for that. Go to the bounce at for more about the sport from my side. Uh, the bounce show will be on there with all the clips and all the everything else. And uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at follow the bounce. AK, where can we find you on Twitter? Um, yeah, you can find me at AK Urinal Sport Essay for now. Then yeah. Okay, so that's AK U R I N A L Sport S A S A. That's yeah. AK. He's new to social media. He's new to Twitter. <laughs> so give him a follow. And uh, yeah, chat yeah, to him. Man. He's just like me. He wants to talk about sports. Got lots of opinions. So that's it. That's the bounce show this week. Get back to clickcentral.com for. Usual programming, and uh, and just like Dennis said, his cricket show is on here as well. Cliffcentral.com. Have a look around. You will enjoy it. Catch you back next week. Thanks for your time. Cliffcentral.com.